I love the artistry of fashion, these beautiful couture dresses and the fabrics and the gorgeousness of it. And then you look to stone and you see some beautiful pieces of marble. They're just so similar to me. Hello and welcome to Arts In, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and today I'm with Christina Bursos, who is an amazing sculptor. Christina, hello and welcome. Hi, Barbara. Thank How are you. you today? Thank you. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. What does it feel like to work in stone? Hmm. I love that question. I would say the biggest feeling that I get with working in this just beautiful medium is the thrill of uncovering something within the stone that's within it and also within me and creating something of beauty and pleasure that people can enjoy. I love the physical process. It, it is very physical between all the standing and the kind of muscles that I have to use and just really, I'm never sitting still when I'm, when I'm carving, I'm always kind of moving in and out and it's, it can be demanding, but it's exciting to watch something come into form from an idea or a thought. And I really, I leave it open to the stone to guide me. That's what makes it so interesting and unique because each stone is its own individual almost. It has its own veins. It has different, you know, just idiosyncrasies to that particular type of stone, but it it's fascinating and it just continues to spark my my interest it it's there's never really a dull moment because there's so many different types of stones and and things that you could do with it it it's it's so versatile and i i love the surprise that i get in the end when you could say that okay i'm finally finished with it and it's it's there something that you that i really enjoyed putting my my efforts and my my body and my mind and my heart into for me, it's really exciting. And when you say stone, by the way, you're not talking about pebbles. What is the typical size of the stone that you use for a sculpture? I would say my typical size is probably about 300 pounds. That would be typical. Uh, so marble is much more like dense and heavy, you know, alabaster, mm -hmm. a little bit lighter. So it kind of depends on the type of stone that I'm working with uh, that determines the weight of it. So right now, the piece that I'm working on started about 200 pounds. I don't take off much of the weight, so it might end up about 150 or 100. Right. So they're, they're very heavy. It's really a challenge to move around, but that's why, you know, these little tricks that they did like in ancient times, if you put a pebble underneath like a really big piece of stone, you can move it around or you slide it from place to place. We have people, you know, that work in a, like a co-op studio and we'll help each other. The stone carving, what I've come to realize, it's, it's just a whole, it's like a group process. You know, everyone gets involved and that makes it really fun too. It's very, you know, it's, it's something that you could do among other artists and, and they could help you, whether there's tools that need to be fixed or things adjusted and ideas, they could help you move things because I'm, I weigh about 120 pounds. So most of the stones I work weigh more than me, much more than me. Yeah. Can you tell me about the tools you use to carve your work? So the typical tools I use are the same ones that have been used since days of Michelangelo and prehistoric, the hammer and the chisel, your basic 
tools and the rasp. And those are like the shapers. Once you've kind of carved out the form with your hammer and your chisel, then you go in with a rasp and you shape the form. And then there's just thousands of different types of abrasives that you can use to refine the surface. And then I, because I, I want to move quicker and we have technology since those days is I use a lot of pneumatic tools. And so that's like a, a powered and air powered chisel. So it'll just move the stone a lot quicker. I use grinders and blades. So lots of power tools. So I might, if I want to get through a lot of stone, I'll use a blade and then, you know, whack off big chunks of it that way. So lots of power tools, but still the original tools that were used back in the day and all sorts of different abrasives, like stone itself abrades against each other, sandpapers. You know, you talk about the challenges of moving this heavy stone, but as I'm listening to you, there's also a lot of push and pull with the stone. You're, you're right there with your body. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's part of, you know, it's, I, I feel like I connect with the work in the process of that physicality. It, it's something that I enjoy. Like I enjoy getting in there and making it happen with my hands. And I, I think that part of the process that makes me feel, you know, connected to the piece as I'm working with it. And I enjoy working with my hands. I enjoy figuring out, okay, what my next move is gonna be and, and how I'm gonna achieve it. And over time, I've been doing this for about 10 years. I think you just learn what you need to use in order to, to do something in particular. It's actually a lot of fun. I might be exhausted when I'm done, but it's energizing at the same time. What brought you to Stone 10 years ago? I've always been interested in classical sculpture, especially classical Greek sculpture, because I'm Greek. And growing up, we would go to Greece, we'd visit the museums, and I was just always fascinated by that and always have been fascinated by the ancient works in stone from thousands of years ago. And I think that along with my love for just modern abstract art and in sculpture, I also attribute that direction to my fashion design background because you're you're looking at you know proportion and line and how to adorn the body in a certain way and I feel like it's all come together with the idea of being a sculptor so once upon a time I guess about 10 years ago I was sitting at home and I got a catalog from the Dunedin Fine Arts Center and saw a stone carving class at the Dunedin Fine Arts Center which is about five minutes from my home and I thought, hmm, this is really interesting. And, and so I went and I just, you know, I took to it immediately. And I just started learning and working with that teacher. It was just something that kind of got under, you know, that I took to. And I really enjoyed just the beauty of the stone. You know, there's so many different types. I mean, it's just kind of endless, but I love working with marble and kind of seeing what, what I could do with it. It's almost surprising to myself that, you know, wow, it's really fascinating. It's something that, that you could do for your entire life. I have mentors, one that's passed, but she she sculpted and she, she was about 95, Sylvia wow. Holstein. She was using power tools and she was, you know, doing smaller pieces, but it's something that I think takes a lifetime to master, but you could just keep doing it. You mentioned you work in fashion. Can we talk about that? 
Sure. I went to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. I have always wanted to be an artist. That was my, you know, my goal, my dream ever since I could remember. But at the time it was, it, it didn't feel practical. You know, I wasn't really sure how to pursue it. I went to college and I was pre-med, so I, I knew I wanted to help people. So I, I chose medicine, but then realized that this is not really for me. So I went back to school and studied at FIT. And when they asked me what I wanted to specialize in, I chose couture. So that those are one of a kind, you know, handmade garments that are made of just the most exquisite and fabulous materials you can imagine. I, I love the artistry and the artisanship that you can get in couture fashion versus ready to wear. And it just really intrigued me. And so I majored in that and I loved it. I didn't go off to Paris, but I went back to Chicago and I worked for several designers and I also produced my own line, several lines, and I worked in women's wear. I still use things I learned in fashion. I, I did a lot of illustration, fashion illustration, and I also did through the years, lots of life drawing. So I think all this drawing and kind of concentrating on the female form has really helped as I'm you know, using the theme of the abstract feminine form with a lot of my stone creations. I think all of that is coming into the present. Right now I'm on your website and I'm looking at a work called Night. It's an antique black marble and you write, she is speckled with delicate shells that are reminiscent of stars and planets. It's a lovely sculpture, and in my mind, it reminds me of the draping that you do if you were working with fabric. At the same time, it's so different from classical sculptures. And it occurs to me that the difference is between a male gaze and a female gaze. You nailed it. I mean, that is, that is what I endeavor to do. It's as if the fabric is a part of the body and it's 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 in movement and it's becoming and i am even more moving more in that direction with my current collection just outright showing drapery but in an abstract form and the drapery is yes it's on top of the body but it's also a part of the body and in that sense i am connecting what we wear to how we identify with ourselves and you know so much of what you wear what one chooses to wear becomes a part of who they are and so in in this collection that i'm doing that that's reflected even even more so so i i think in my evolution they're becoming even a little bit less abstract and you could really see that drapey. But I'm glad that you picked that out and it, it's definitely, it's intentional. You're right, it comes out of the draping, which I had to do quite a bit of when I was in fashion school and then outside of fashion when I worked, I worked for a dressmaker and I was in the factory, I was draping and that's, you know, what, what I did for quite a long time. And then I also did pattern making. And so with pattern making, you have to be so exact with like a quarter of an inch and a half an inch. I'm really good at like eyeballing things. And I use that with my sculptures because the, the line has to be just so, you know, like the, the hem of a skirt, you can't be crooked. I mean, unless, you know, that's what you're going after, but it has to be just perfectly straight. And so mm -hmm. that, that learning to see things and learning to look at lines and how things overlap and in three dimension, I think the fashion is, is definitely that training helped me 
with what I'm doing in, in sculpture today and the exquisite materials. I mean, I, I love the artistry of fashion, these beautiful couture dresses and the fabrics and, and the, the gorgeousness of it. And then you look to stone and, and then you, you see some beautiful pieces of marble. It, they're just so similar to me, you know, just it's beauty. Right. It's beauty. One is right. man-made and the other is natural, you know, but it's all really about beauty. My art now is definitely, it's feminine, but I want it to be strong feminine. I love when young girls come up to me and say, oh, you know, I want to do that. I'm interested in doing that. I, I had one recently. That's just so, wow. It's like the greatest compliment, you know, when a young woman says, oh, you know, that looks so interesting. Can I see how you do that? Sculptors today, most of them, or many of them are male. It's wonderful to see women do it and create right. such beautiful work reflective of their spirit. So tell me, so where does the sculptor who works in stone go shopping for material? Again, I am so lucky with how this whole story came about. So once I, once I got into the idea that, okay, this is, I, I really love this. I'm going to continue to pursue this. I came across the sculpture studio that's been around for about 30 years. It's near Clearwater Largo Road, the Bel Air area. And then I met another group of sculptors there, and that's where I am at. And through them, I came across now a dear friend, a man who sells stone and tools to sculptors. And he's out of Kansas. His name is Miles Shatner, and he's a teacher as well, if I have any questions about anything. But if you want to start this endeavor, if you want to, you know, try your hand at stone, you could just, you know, go on his website. It's called twosculpt.com, and you'll find whatever you need, whatever, anything you want to create. You just ask him, and he'll guide you as far as, like, the, the size of the stone, the type of the stone. So again, that community that I talked about, that it's not just me doing it, but I have so many you know, wonderful people that I've met that really help make it happen. And then he ships the stone to me. It comes by truck, by freight. You got to make friends when you're working in stone because this stuff is heavy. So you slide it from surface to surface and roll it. <laughs> you get it where you need to get it. You right? get it where you need to get it, you know. We'll have to roll it or use like two by fours to put it in a position where it can be tipped onto this hydraulic lift. And then from there, you lift to the table because you're working on like a wooden table with wheels. Then moving it around, if it's four or 500 pounds, then that's more challenging to move. But if it's a couple hundred pounds, you can, I can do it with someone helping me and move it around a little bit. Mm -hmm. The least you can move it the better you are because you don't want to, you don't really want to expend too much energy or hurt yourself. So I try not to move heavy stones mm -hmm. too much. So you start the conversation by finding some stone that is interesting to you. Does it start then with seeing the stone in this electronic environment or does it start with an idea? This is something I would like to bring to life and I need to find a stone that will do that. Well, for me, it definitely starts with a physical stone. So I'll see, I'll see it, but I actually have to have it physically, like in mm -hmm. front of me, you know, and, and then every, and then the mind just starts to go, you know, it just like, you start to imagine what you could do with it. And then a very a good friend of mine, who's a sculptor, uh, another, another wonderful mentor, she, she says, you know, 
what she would recommend is trying all different types of stones. Just try them all mm -hmm. and see which one you like. And that was such good advice, you know, for a young, just starting out sculptor, mm -hmm. because you, you want to see like, well, what do you enjoy working with it? Which, which one do you enjoy working with the most? And because they're all different and they feel different that you need to work with them differently that, you know, they react differently, you know, to different tools, they all have their own unique character. And so I love being able to explore but I actually have to have the actual stone in right. front of me. And then I'll say, okay, what should we do with you? <laughs> So your creative process is kind of a dialogue with the stone. You leave it open to the stone. So you've got this stone that arrived by truck. Your crew and your friends unloaded it, and there it is, its own stone self. And you start a creative process that will ultimately evolve into a sculpture. Can you tell me about that stone talking to you and how, how it happens in that magic moment? Well, that's always an exciting, you know, that's exciting. You have this raw piece of stone and now what? You know, what are you going to do? It's your, your blank canvas. So my process is to examine it, look for things in terms of whether if it's a colored stone, are there any interesting veins? Sometimes they're literally boulders. Other times they're rectangles or squares. But then I'll look for something, some characteristic, a vein or maybe how it was cut. And just sort of those little things, they start to guide me. And, and then I just start to see things. I'll walk around it. I'll also have ideas of things in my head that I'd like to create. And then it also depends on what's going on in the world and kind of where my mind is and really what's happening. So I do connect this inner process with what's happening in the world. You know, when we had like the pandemic, there was, you know, everyone was you know secluded. I was, I was in the studio working. So different things were going through my head as I was picking up these new pieces and trying to translate what was happening in the world and, and how that's affecting me into what I'm about to create. So I'll give it some, some thought, you know, maybe several days, but not longer than that. Because for me, the way that I work is I have to just, I have to just dive into it. I have to start taking some pieces off. I have to start really just getting into the stone. And I really meaning when I say into it, I mean like going, cutting into it deeply and sometimes making some more aggressive moves because I, I, that's the only way, at least from my perspective, to really start to see a sculpture take shape and move is to dig deep into the stone. The design, mm -hmm. the thinking, the creation is just happening as it's happening. So, so you don't have an end in mind when you're looking at the stone? Sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. My last piece was called Aphrodite Rising, and that really is, you could definitely see the drapery as a represent. It was in the arts uh, annual. So that one, I, I really enjoyed that concept of the drapery as part of the body, you know, the abstract feminine, this sculpture kind of rising out of the rock itself. That theme is still in me, you know, it, I haven't explored it 
enough to let it go. But then I still keep it open and then it, it evolves into what it's going to be. So this particular piece that I'm working on now, it's evolving into, again, a goddess, but it's a representation or a personification of wind, you know, the mm -hmm. wind and what that would feel like if it were personified. So I'm doing drapery. It's, I want it to feel like it's, she's, there's wind blowing. So I'll kind of go with these concepts and then it'll end up, it just keeps evolving. And I'm not, I'm never finished until I'm finished. <laughs> and how do you know that you're finished? I know when I'm finished with the actual sculpting of the form and, and then there's the finishing. Now you're trying to shape and smooth and, you know, you've worked out the main details, but at that stage, I know it's finished when there, when I look all around it and from every angle, I've examined it from every possible angle and there's nothing more that I could do to change it that would enhance it. I try to be very objective. I'll ask myself, does it need anything else? Is there something, there's something missing or there's something more that I could remove to make it more interesting or, but if there's nothing, if, if I'm satisfied with how the form has, has come out, then I'll spend uh, maybe as much time shaping. So then I'll, I'll be shaping it with those rasps or these long metal mm -hmm. implements that are jagged and they shape the stone. And so then I'll, I'll be deciding, okay, how do I want this edge? Do I want it rounded? Do I want it sharp? And so that's, so I'm continuing the process, even though I've been carving it, I'm still working out the finished detail of the sculpture and you see all these things make a difference like how these edges are going to be or, or if there's a line that i you know maybe i want to remove and so you you keep refining 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 and then you'll get down to actually sanding like there's different grades of sandpaper and i usually go at least five or six grades of sandpaper over the entire sculpture and that's all by hand because my mm. I, they have rotary you know, things you could use and, and devices, but sometimes those impart scratches that I've already tried to remove. And my sculptures are usually curvy and you need to kind of get your hands into tight spaces. So, so that's all completely by hand. And I'm still kind of thinking about, okay, do I want this smooth? Do I want it textured? How high of a shine do I want it? Do I want it shiny? Do I want it satin? You know, so I'm still making those decisions. I also have examined every single centimeter time and time again to make sure there aren't any scratches that are left from the tools because then that takes away from the surface of it. So sanding and that whole finishing process takes hours and hours. It's got to be just so, you know, you want it to reflect, you want it to reflect that level of love that you put into it. At least I do. So it's really, it, it's not done until the, even the very end when you decide, what do I want that surface to be? I mean, all that plays a role in, in the piece and what it reflects and how people feel about it. But I think ultimately I'm done after I've really sanded the surface to a level where you would want to touch it. So if mm. someone goes up to it and says, oh, I'll, can I touch that? Then I'm usually done. been in a situation with one of your stones where you think you're going in one direction and the stone says maybe I'm going to take you somewhere else there are moments and there 
not uncommon to sometimes feel a bit lost. Like, okay, I've gotten this far and, you know, I'm like, I'm Hansel and Gretel, I'm following the crumbs, but now I'm a little lost. But yet during those moments, then I just leave it because I think it could be a factor of, you know, maybe I'm tired or I'm just not, I'm not seeing it. And for me, it's like anything, I leave it and then I go away and then I come back the next day and then I pick it up again. But I'm never, I'm never lost for, for too long. I mean, there's always something, there's always something I could do. And because it's, I'm open and I have this kind of free flowing expression that it's never, it's never a problem to not know where you're going. And I could usually find, usually find my way again. I, I, I go with what's being offered. It's kind of my, I would say my philosophy in life. If something else shows up or something else is being shown to you, then maybe that's a better way. It's offering another way to go that might be better than what I thought it was going to be. I'm hoping that it'll help people connect with just this awe-inspiring, like every day when you wake up and the sun rises, it just, it's so amazing just to be alive for another day. And how could I personify or how could I reflect that feeling of this new day in a sculpture? reflecting just the elements and how how beautiful it is when when wind or a beautiful breeze passes across your your face and, and how that makes you feel i really want my sculptures to make people feel to feel beautiful to feel alive to uplift them to make them happy my sculptures they're sensory like the experience is sensory it's the greatest compliment when someone asks me can i touch your sculpture because it's it's a part of it. It's something that I'm doing. You know, my hands have been caressing that thing for, for months. So in order for someone to really connect with the feeling of the piece, it's nice to be able to touch it. And it was the Arts Annual in 2020. So this was during the pandemic. I went to the gallery and I had some of my pieces there. And this was a Saturday afternoon and there was a young child with her parents. They were walking around the gallery and I was in the back to look at the other art pieces. And I looked through the, there was a doorway through the main gallery and I looked through just right at that moment, this a young child, maybe you know eight or nine years old. She looked around, she looked behind her a couple of times quickly. And then she touched my sculpture with her finger really fast. And it was just the most precious moment. I mean, there you go. Through their wanting to touch it, they can connect with it. They can see, oh, I see what this feels like. And, and I'm looking at the shape and it reminds me of something. And, and I think through that, we can have this interchange of just feeling and emotion with the artwork. And I, I never realized how important it is until I've been showing my work, how important it is to connect with other people, to have your work be seen and out there connecting with, with people. And that really brings the whole experience of being an artist such joy. I mean, that is why I think why I do it now. It, it, it's definitely satisfying and I enjoy it, but that element of it, you, you can't, you just can't replace that. It's, it's really beautiful. If I can make someone want to interact with my work, I mean, that's, you know, what, what more happiness, you know, could I ask for? I've been talking with sculptor Christina Bertzos. Thank you.
thank you so much for taking your time to talk about this. Oh, thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you, Barbara. To be a part of this community is just wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater, the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Arts In is produced by Sheila Cowley. It's easy to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. If you enjoy this program, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And you can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists at creativepinellas.org.